This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. And welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name's Martine and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of this show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First we talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help, and then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guest to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. AA preamble. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. So, what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you're an alcoholic, you're at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places, prisons, institutions or death. And if you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is that it's an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink. This makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether their life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise helpless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. Okay, for anyone who's just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9, and we're just about to interview an AA member who is going to share their experience with alcoholism. 
So hi, I wonder if you could introduce yourself and give us a quick sketch of who you are, maybe starting with your age and how long you've been sober. Hi, I'm Sid, I'm an alcoholic. Hey. I'm uh, 49 years old mm-hmm. and I've been, so. I, I had my last drink in 2000, like January 2nd or 3rd, 2000. Wow. So what do you do for a job? I work at the university uh, and I teach. Great. Uh, what about your family? Are you married? Do you have kids? No, I'm uh, single and I live alone with a little cat. <laughs> cool. So could you give us a bit of background, about a bit of information about your childhood, where you grew up, what it was like, that sort of thing? Sure. So my mom is American and my father is German. And I grew up kind of between both countries. Mm-hmm. And they were a couple that liked to be together but should never have been together. <laughs> and so they there was a lot of, um, maybe not necessarily like violence, but a lot of conflict at home. And they right. both handled life uh, very, very differently. So my dad will pretend like problems don't exist and you don't talk about problems right and my mom sometimes would uh kind of focus on them a little bit too much and is very emotional so it was kind of a a a difference of two worlds so to speak my father is very atheist and my mother is now very very religious and so i guess there was just a lot of uncertainty i have a younger brother right he's six years younger than me and yeah, so that's kind of a snapshot. I th- would say my fra- my father drinks alcoholically, right? Um, and that my my mom did for some years, and then she stopped when she found religion, right? And then she's very involved with her religion now, right? So, when did you start drinking? I was probably a late starter. Um, I would say it would be, I must have, like, I th- maybe my very first drink. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that counts or not, yeah. but I was just like a little kid. And my parents had some people over, and I grabbed one of my dad's friend's beer bottles, and I chugged it. I must have been like four years old or so. I can remember yeah. that, but there was nothing to that. And I, I probably didn't start drinking uh, maybe like once every few months when I was, say, maybe... 16 or 17 but I didn't start drinking every day until I was about 19 years old right but I can tell you that the there was this um this experience that I had that made a lot more sense later on and I remember whenever I would be driving to with my mom to the doctors when I was little say eight years old and I remember thinking for some reason, this strong thought would come through my mind, and it was, this is what it feels like to be normal. I don't know why, but right now I just feel so different and so wonderful and so calm. And there would have been this, uh, and, and always has been, this kind of constant little bit of anxiety, a little bit of um, stress and pressure in me, and I wouldn't have that, and that was the thought. It was loud. I can hear the voice almost. It's like, this yeah. is what normal people feel like. So I found out uh, years later that probably what was going on was that there was cough medicine 
that I had been given because I was sick. I was going right. to the doctor. Yeah. And they, you know, I had the flu and maybe the doctor had to check up on me and that cough medicine had a little alcohol in it. And so I I'm just know that my body reacts and my mind reacts so strongly to alcohol. And that first feeling is this is normality. Yeah. This is something that just got fixed in me that's always not fixed. So it's it was uh, magic. My friend right. told me about that, actually. we It wasn't in AA that I learned that. It was my friend. I was telling him, and he liked to do drugs and stuff. And he was saying, oh, that's probably the... He said, oh, it's probably the cough medicine. So I took an interest in cough medicine <laughs> a little bit after that. But, yeah, I didn't start drinking daily until... Uh, a little bit later, and the first few times that I would get uh, drunk would be you know, just completely overboard, throwing up. And I remember doing that about when I was about 18. I would get drunk about every two weeks, and I would throw up in bed, and I'd say, oh, I better not do that again. And yeah. then two weeks later, I would drink again, and I would throw up in bed. So, so at what stage did you think this is a problem? Well, you know, I I mentioned my father was alcohol drank alcoholic, and my mother would say, "Oh, your dad's an alcoholic, right?" And yeah. so, and I remember thinking, oh, "I never want to be alcoholic," when I was young, and I remember saying to myself, um, "This is a roundabout way of answering your question." I remember saying to myself, um, "I never want to do." I never want to um, be like my parents, so I won't drink. I won't ever drink. I remember thinking that because I didn't yeah. want to harm children. Yeah. And then when um, when I did start experimenting with alcohol in the very beginning, it's kind of, maybe it's kind of strange, but that was one of the first things that went through my head. So this wasn't. I'm not even drinking every day yet. I'm just having a little drink here well, every couple of weeks, like I said. And, and the um, that seemed to be incompatible with that decision that I'd made yeah. when I was younger, and so. You know what that decision was? Oh, I just won't have kids. Right. That's, yeah. that's, yeah, that's such you, alcoholic thinking, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. I wasn't even like, I, I'm going to drink for the rest of my life. I was like, oh, now I've had a drink. Well, I just won't have kids ever. And um, <laughs> so so what I guess what I'm trying to say is somehow in the, in my head, it seemed like it was always, I was always aware that there was this potential for it to be a problem. Yeah. You know? And then uh, I think I remember the first time that I was really questioning it would have been after a few months of drinking every day. So about the about 19 every day I would I would just uh, I was drinking till I got drunk every single day. Yeah. And that's when I started wondering about is this a problem? Although nothing really bad was happening yet. It was still a lot of pretty much fun, but it just wasn't uh I don't know. I was starting to ask myself questions. It was still working though. So at what point was was it not working and then you decided to to go to an AA meeting? Ooh, that took a long, long time. So that was when I was in uh initially I went to college, university, and then I couldn't do drinking and university, so I dropped out. And then I started <laughs> instead of not drinking. Yeah, <laughs> of course, right? I lost my license and I stopped driving. And I thought I was doing a very good thing for the community by not driving. And then an AA said, No, you just chose not to drive in order to keep drinking. Yeah. So these things I did many of those sorts of things over a long period of time. The story that I like to tell myself was that I was living a wild and crazy life. And that I was choosing this degradation. I was choosing these things. And it didn't uh, dawn on me until not too long before I came into 
AA or I started reaching out for help, that this degradation and these consequences were going to continue happening whether I allowed them to or not. So I drank uh, every day alcoholically for about eight years. Maybe there was a couple of weeks off here and there. And I went from being in school to uh, not being in school anymore. And I um, worked in bars where you can drink as much as you, just about as much as you want. And um, one of the jobs I had was to close the bar down at night. So I'd be the last person in. I had the key. I could lock up and drink, you know. And then I'd take get a cab home and we'd stop on the way home to pick up alcohol at night. And at that time I knew I was definitely not living right you know yeah but i was i was also the difficult part was that i was telling i kept telling myself that this is what i had chosen and you know what i mean because yeah. if there's like no consequence if i tell myself this is what i want then there's no loss and yeah. there's no reason to fix it so it just took me uh till like i was about 20 almost 28 and uh, a couple of things happened in, in the end there that I was really starting to think to myself, hey, uh, maybe I want to do something about this drinking. And that was about the time of the beginning of where everybody could get on the Internet and I would look online about stopping drinking. So that I started thinking about that seriously enough to look online yeah. about maybe four months before I stopped. Yeah. So can you tell us about stopping and going to a meeting and how that sure, how that was the beginning yeah so for me like that last little bit was uh i called up the aa hotline so the day that i realized i kind of had, was at, at my bottom was uh just the thing that scared me the most was i realized that degradation was going to continue whether i allowed it to or not and that i felt like i was losing my mind yeah like in a lot of ways and uh, and so I uh, ended up calling up the AA hotline in the book. And they had a person call back. It's like a pager service. And the person called back. And uh, my initial, in, you know, thing immediately okay so i didn't say this earlier i'll just throw this in there there was this thing about i was starting to look up stuff about aa online and i read in there uh that they had the word god in it and i didn't want a bit of i didn't want anything to do with that at all so i called up the AA hotline for help because i can't go on i'm done everything's screwed yeah and the guy calls me back and the first thing i tell this guy is i don't want to hear anything about god don't you tell me a damn thing about God. And he's like, he started to hang up on me. Because what was happening is like somebody's reaching out for help and they're dictating the terms and conditions under which they'll receive help. And so his perspective was, you, you may not be ready if you're telling me how you will or won't get sober. Right. And in fact, I was. And I said, well, hold on just a second. He came and picked me up the next day and we went to an AA meeting. That was a long night. Whew, that was a terrible long night. I hadn't had a drink in, since 4 o'clock in the morning that morning, and I right. made it through that whole night. It was awful. And so the first AA meeting was, uh, I went to that with him, and then a second, and then they thought, maybe you're not looking too good, you know? You might need to get some medical attention. Yeah. And so they took me to um, what's effectively like a council rehab facility where I'm from, and, and I got checked in there, and they took me in, and that was my my beginning.
Yeah. So how did you find that first AA meeting? I don't remember too much of it, but I found it incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah. And in fact, those first few months of meetings were very difficult for me. I did kind of have a feeling that there was a solution there for me. Yeah. But on the other hand, I would often leave those meetings feeling worse than when I walked in just because I was reacting to that untreated uh, anxiety, so to speak. Yep. So how have you managed to stay sober? Well, that anxiety in the meetings didn't last for forever. And eventually I started uh, getting involved with the meetings. And then the meetings became something that I looked forward to to doing. So the biggest single contributor to me staying sober is that uh, I kept going to meetings and that they soon became part of my strategy to not drink. And I think in in I in the beginning I went every single day for I think maybe once once a week I had counseling or something, and so that would be. Uh, other than that, I went every single day to a meeting. I got really involved. I made friends, and I just kind of my insides kind of calmed down. Well, what did you get day. out of those meetings? How did they make you feel? Well, once I got once I got used to them. Um, what did I get out of them? Well, I wasn't alone. Um, I could hear the stories of other people and the experiences of other people. And so that would help reinforce to me what my situation was. My situation yeah. is I'm an alcoholic. If I take a drink, my body reacts to it like that. And I just don't see any any reason why that would have changed in the last 20 years, right? Yeah. So, um, and what I, when I went to those meetings, a couple of things, but that was one, maybe one of the main things is that I got str- a lot of strategies on how to remember that, that about myself. Yeah. Because naturally, part of me wants to drink again, yeah. right? I don't want to drink again, but there, I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. So part of me is seeking that, that good feeling of that first drink again. Yeah. And so the meetings were, were really good at... Um, reminding myself of what I am. And then also I learned lots of strategies about uh, how to stay sober. Part of that has to do with the program, Alcoholics Anonymous program. There's these these things about taking inventory of yourself, about um, getting help from outside of yourself, yeah. and, and about communicating with other people. So there, was, there were many aspects of... Um, Alcoholics Anonymous in the program that helped me to not pick up again. Cool. And how has your life changed since you've become sober? Well, one of the there's many there's a bunch of things that have changed. So like when I, when I came in, I, I was a mess and I stank and <laughs> I you know what I mean. I couldn't do anything right. I was really unable to communicate with people. I didn't make sense. So like on the outside, everything has changed. So I'm not even like the same, you know what I mean? It's just like two different people. Also, it's a long time, like 20 years is a long time or whatever. 22 years is a long time. So there's been a lot of changes for me there. I've gone to uh, counseling and learned how to deal with uh, a lot of stuff that is difficult for me. And um, and so I've gotten some coping strategies. Yeah. And... uh, so now I'm able to like basically just live like a normal person without alcohol. And what are your relationships like with your family and friends? Well, my family lives all over the world. So my dad's in Germany, my mom's in America, my brother's in America. Those are like my direct family. And 
um, yeah, I'm a lot better at um, being available to them and yeah. having. Uh, I'm just a, I'm a better son. I was an absent family member. I just dis distanced myself and disappeared from their lives. So I've been able to reestablish connections, and there's been a lot of forgiveness and uh, healing that's happened since then. And one of the big things for me today, besides just not picking up a drink, but also about just living okay in the world without feeling depressed or angry, is uh, having people to talk to. And I have um, a couple of very good friends that I check in with every few days, every week, and we talk just about what's going on in our lives. And they happen to be in AA also. Yeah. So we talk the same language. It's interesting, isn't it, that that um, concept that the opposite of um, addiction isn't sobriety, it's connection. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, because yeah, that's what alcohol did for me. It insulated me from the outside. It kept, or I thought it did, it insulated me from being able to engage with the outside emotionally. Yeah. And it just, like, all of my feelings were scared and anxious and angry. And alcohol just, it it did something, right? Until the end. It stopped working yeah. in the end. But what that did is it separated me from making connections with people outside. And I had to learn how to do that, too, Yeah, you know? And I feel I couldn't have done that if I was drinking also. I'd yeah. go to bars and talk to people in bars, right? Yeah. But it's not, the, it's not like you're having a, a, a connection with somebody. Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting. And what about your goals for the future? Wow, I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> oh, do I have goals for the future? I don't want to drink again. I don't want to drink ever again. Yeah. Uh, I just, I don't know. I think I just want to keep doing what I'm doing now because I feel like my life is really, really great now. Yeah. Yeah. So AA has been described as a spiritual program. What does spirituality mean to you? Yeah, that was really difficult for me when I first got here. As I mentioned, I had this bias against the concept of the word God. And uh, basically... Um, I found that I could I could stay in this in this program uh, and not have to struggle with that concept of do I believe in a God or which God or any God, and so it just has to do with uh, reaching outside of myself f to access help, and that and I still do like actions I'll do like prayers and meditation and. And things like that, but I don't really have to understand what it is yeah. that I'm trying to. For me, I don't. It's not necessary for me to understand that. It's really necessary for me to understand that there's something that goes on outside of myself, outside of the physical. Uh, um, uh, I, I believe there's something out there that will help me to never pick up another drink again. I believe that by myself, uh, it's gonna be really, really hard to pick, to not drink again. You know, it's 22 years into it. I still have like um, uh, emotional issues. You know, I still have like times when I'm feeling very um, uh, uneasy or, or conflicted inside. And uh, you know, one of the things that um, is a possible solution there seems like a possible solution to that is just like one good drink and then like this would just feel a little bit better 
or uh, maybe I'll blow up my life. I'll just destroy everything, and, and I drink, I'll, I'll do that too. And I feel like by myself, I'm more likely to take that path. I'm not saying I'm definitely will do yeah. it tomorrow if I don't talk to somebody or pray or something. But I also believe that, that that's just me by myself, but there's something outside of me that I believe if I ask for help, it'll help me not have to pick up. And that's, you know, that's like, that are 100%, like I have a really strong certainty in that for myself. Yeah. And lastly, what what advice would you give to listeners who think they might have a drinking problem? What questions would you ask or what would you suggest they do? Well, there's the old standby. If, you, if you're not sure that you have a drinking problem, you can um, try to go somewhere and moderate your drinking. And if you're able to do that sufficiently, maybe you are fine. But if it seems like it's really, really hard to moderate how much you can drink, or if you, when you start drinking, you're, you won't, you're not sure about how much you drink or the consequences of your drinking, um, then you may have to make a decision for yourself uh, whether or not you want to, like, look into getting help, you know. And some people would just maybe just go to AA meetings and see what they're all about and see what people that are that do have problems with alcohol, how they are managing to stay away. And you may find that there are some similarities between what you're going through and what they have. So maybe it just it's a matter of getting to the point where you're just like, I'll do anything for things to change. Mm. So, Sid, thanks very much for sure. coming in um, to the show and sharing your story. Thanks oh, thank very you. much. For our listeners, if you've related to anything you've heard or would like some more information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up on the web at www.aa.org.nz or you can call us on 0800 AA Works. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear more from AA members sharing their experience. Our show is every Monday at 5.30 on Plains FM and repeats on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our show on Plains FM website, plainsfm.org.nz, or you can download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thanks for listening and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business. If you want to stop, we can help. You don't have to do it alone. We'll now close the show with a serenity prayer as we do in every AA meeting. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9.